Welcome to Madison Avenue Presbyterian Church. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you to serve God and your neighbor. If you want to learn more about our ministry, head over to mapc.com. If you're looking for a community where you can deepen your faith, we invite you to join us every Sunday at 1030 online or in person. next scripture reading today is only one verse. It is the 18th chapter. In the 18th verse and the 5th chapter of the book of Deuteronomy. Neither shall you commit adultery. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. One evening, as little Johnny is kneeling by his bed, offering his prayers, his father walks by his bedroom, and he hears little Johnny pray for their neighbor, Jim. Oh, God, bless Jim. The next day, Jim dies. That night, the father hears little Johnny pray for their cousin, Sarah. Cousin Sarah was much, much older than little Johnny. God, bless cousin Sarah. And the next day, Cousin Sarah died. The following evening, the father once again walks by little Johnny's bedroom as he's saying his prayers. Little Johnny says, God, bless my father. Throughout the next day, the father was terrified, anxious, afraid. What's going to happen? How will it happen? When he got home that evening, he was so relieved. It was okay. He made it home well. He walked in and said to his wife, you're not going to believe my day. She says, your day? The mailman dropped dead at our front step today. Oh, seriously, really? Only three of you got that? Only three of you got that? Really? That is so sad. I think the camera's over here, so for those of you at home, would you at least laugh now so that I can feel like somebody's listening? It's not a great joke, I know that. Have you ever noticed, however, how often movies, television shows, stand-up comedians make adultery a focus of their humor? Why do they do that? Because when some Situations and issues are too painful in our lives to talk about directly. The best we can do is to tell a joke, to laugh it off. And sometimes that's the closest we can get to that source of pain. When's the last time, for example, any of you have had a conversation about adultery? Or when's the last time any of us heard a sermon on adultery? Adultery can be so painful that often the only way we can talk about it is through humor. What does this mean then when God gives us this commandment, neither shall you commit adultery? Like the other commandments, you'll note that it's very short and it's somewhat ambiguous. What what does adultery really mean? Why doesn't Moses give us 
threats of punishment if we commit adultery. What is the issue here? God must have known what God was doing because this commandment is intended to protect us from deep pain. What can we say about this commandment? Well, maybe a few things. First, uh, the commandment invites us in the faith community to have open, honest, candid conversations about our sexuality. Uh, throughout much of Christian history, we have tried to deny our sexuality. We have forgotten that Christmas is a celebration of when God comes to us in human flesh. God has created us as physical, sexual beings, and there is an inherent relationship between our sexuality and our spirituality. In one congregation many, many years ago, I was talking to Sarah, not cousin Sarah. Sarah was a retired teacher in my congregation. She was about 84, 85 years old. She was the first woman to ever serve on session at that church. They had all been male up to then. She and I were chatting one afternoon and I said, Sarah, I'm wondering, I'm wondering, would it be helpful for us to have a Bible study or a series exploring the relationship between sexuality and spirituality? Oh, no, Patrick. No, 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 no. All we ever hear about is sex, sex, sex. And she had a point, of course. I mean, sex is the focus of television shows, movies, plays, books, novels. Neither shall you commit adultery, however, invites us to discuss openly and candidly the gift of sexuality. Because after all, sexuality is created by God and given to us by God. I was meeting with one young couple many years ago about their upcoming marriage. They were like 19 and 20 years old. They were so excited and at one point, the groom-to-be said, Reverend Vaughn, I want my first wedding to go really well. She looked at him like, my first wedding? What? I'll never forget that. Part of what this commandment does, however, is to put boundaries around our marital relationships to protect them. Walter Harrelson, the Old Testament scholar, has said that the ancient Hebrews were not as prudish as we are about sexuality. Indeed, they were not prudish at all. Uh, sexual relationships is one of the most fulfilling ways that a couple get to know one another and celebrate their love and their joy and their intimacy. And so by putting this fence around marital relations, God is saying, be careful. Be careful with how you treat one another. Don't, don't, don't hurt one another. In this way, this commandment, neither shall you commit adultery, actually points us back to the opening commandments, the first and the second one. You shall have no other gods before me. It's striking that throughout the Old Testament that the biblical writers use idolatry adultery, fornication, as examples of what happens when we are not faithful to God. This commandment then reminds us how deeply and passionately God loves us. For when we are unfaithful to God, when we stray, 
when we are not as loving and focused on God as God would have us to be, God, God hurts. You've heard people say, all religions go to the same gate. God, what difference does it make? No, that is just a lie. Ours is a God that we know in the pages of Scripture who feels deeply and passionately for God's people and such that when we turn away from God, God is so hurt that we read in Scripture about adultery as an image for the breach in our relationship. Uh, just one example, the prophet Isaiah Isaiah writes, in deserting me, you have set up your own bed. You have gone up to it. You have opened wide and you have made a bargain for yourself with them. You have loved their bed and gazed on their nakedness. Neither shall you commit adultery. Why? Because when we betray our spouse, we have also betrayed God and God hurts with us and because of us. Yet, if we really want to get a handle, the best as we can, perhaps, on adultery and what it means, we need to listen to what Jesus says about adultery in the Sermon on the Mount, the fifth chapter of the Gospel of Matthew. Jesus says, You have heard that it was said, You shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. In the 1976 presidential race, candidate Jimmy Carter made headlines in a Playboy interview magazine. Yeah, Playboy interview when he said that yes, he does look at women with lust. I'm not sure that President Carter really understood what is meant by lust, however, because in Scripture, lust does not simply refer to sexual attraction. That's not lust. Lust, biblically. is the desire or inclination to use other people for our own ends and purposes. Lust is treating other people like an object. Instead of a relationship marked by mutual care and love, lust is that attitude that other people exist solely to meet my needs. Lust is whenever and wherever we twist relationships of mutuality and respect and care into a transactional arrangement. That's lust. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus pushes us beyond the behavioral expectations of the law to engage our thoughts, our attitudes, our presuppositions about other people. The commandment forbids us from tending to our own needs for intimacy and warmth and embrace by treating other people as a thing. This commandment about adultery, then, is not just for married people. It's for all of us who are ever tempted to use anyone in any way that might dehumanize them or objectify them. This commandment has to do with our faithfulness to God. It has to do with our faithfulness to one another. Being created in the image of God means that we have within us these powerful needs for relationship, for warmth, for intimacy, for touch. And whenever we seek to meet these needs outside that marital relationship, man, woman, man, man, woman, woman, we've committed adultery. 
the sermon title this morning, What Does Sex Have to Do with Adultery? Well, it has a little bit to do with adultery. This commandment challenges us to take our sexuality seriously and to discuss it openly in the community of faith, but it doesn't have everything to do with adultery. For sex is not needed to commit adultery. Jesus reminds us that adultery also involves our attitudes, our aspirations, our thoughts, and our feelings. Adultery, quite simply, is investing into another person or activity the love and life and intimacy and time and commitment and energy and imagination and devotion that properly belong to our husband or our wife. If you remember nothing today about what I say, I, I, I hope that you will remember this, that adultery means a whole lot more than sex. And in our sex-crazed society, that's what we want to focus on, but it has a lot more to do than just sex. I was talking with a couple once. He had been unfaithful. And when they got home, they drove home from church one Sunday, and he turned to her and said, you know, I, I never meant to hurt you. But he had, and the pain ran deep. This kind of hurt, however, is inflicted on a relationship not simply when we have an inappropriate sexual encounter with another person. Adultery takes many different forms. We can have an affair with our neighbor or with a co-worker, or we can have an affair with our job. We can have an affair with our hobby. We can have an affair with our addiction, gambling, drinking, drugs. Adultery is when we take the devotion, the energy, the meaning that properly belong to a marital relationship and we seek to find them outside that relationship. I'm a little bit uncomfortable talking about this. Uncomfortable because I stand convicted. There have been too many times when the church has been my mistress. When I have given to a congregation the time, the focus, the energy that I should have given to my family, that I should have given to my spouse. And just as the woman said, uh, the husband said to the woman, I didn't mean to hurt you, I didn't mean to hurt her. It happened so easily. It's seductive when there's an activity in our life, a relationship that we enjoy, and suddenly we're giving it so much time and energy and devotion, and then what? 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 The first time I heard about this was in seminary. It had never occurred to me that adultery could take place outside of sex. And she said, my professor said that she had had an affair with Emil Bruner, who was a theologian in Europe. We're like, what are you talking about? What? And she said that in working on her doctorate, that's all, that, that's the only person she ever spent time with in reading his works and the, diving into his reflections. Neither shall you commit adultery. 
recognizes that God has created us with these powerful, intense needs for intimacy. God has given us marriage as one way for us to tend to these needs, but once we're in that relationship and we seek to fulfill them outside of it in whatever activity or person, that is painful and that hurts that relationship. And in hurting that relationship, we hurt our relationship with God. This is what I want to leave you with today, then. Can we at Madison Avenue Presbyterian Church be the kind of community that takes seriously our need for one another, for acceptance, for love, for compassion? Can, can we be that kind of community? One of the great challenges of our time it is what I have called the idolatry of marriage. That is, we think we can get all of our emotional, spiritual, social needs met in our spouse. I was talking to a family therapist when I was in seminary many years ago, and I said something to the effect that, you know, it seems to me that the challenge with most families is that they're not simply close enough. And he said, oh no. No, the challenge is that most families are too close. What? what? What are you talking about? What it meant is that often our expectations of our spouse far exceed what is capable in a relationship. It is impossible for any other one person to meet all of our emotional needs for connection, for acceptance, for understanding, for compassion. You've heard people say, for example, I've heard them say this as I've planned weddings with many couples. Now, this is going to be, this is going to be the most important day of my life. Well, yes, great. I smile. I affirm that. That's, it, it, this is an important day, and I hope it's going to be a wonderful day of celebration for you. But, uh, but be careful. This is what I so often want to say to them. Be careful. Because if you go too far down that road, you are placing expectations on your spouse that he or she cannot meet. In an era that has seen the lack of trust that we are witnessing today in the church and other social institutions, we are hungering as a people for a connection, for a network of relationships that our family simply cannot fulfill. Yes, neither shall you commit adultery means keep sex within the marital relationship, but it means more than it means develop relationships with other people to meet your needs for compassion. So that's the challenge. How can we be a congregation that takes seriously these needs, that affirms our relationships with one another, that holds us accountable? Can we do that? I once read that a woman's ideal breakfast is when she's holding a cup of gourmet coffee in her hand. And on the box of Wheaties is a picture of her son. And on the front of Business Week is a picture of her daughter. And a picture of her husband is on the back of a milk carton. We can laugh. 
I invite us all to learn how to laugh. But sometimes the laughter does cover up pain. Can we be a church that takes that seriously? That's the challenge of this commandment. Amen.